This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango joined in studio by Mr. Alex Ferrario from 101 ESPN and from the Athletic uh, Imperial's very own Jeremy Rutherford. Did I say that right? <laughs> Imperial's very yeah. own. Isn't How about that? that? Isn't that? Yeah, that's, that works. that's where that friggin' crazy fire truck thing happened yesterday. Yeah, I was driving to probably. I think it was not too far from my house. You know what's weird is when you scroll uh, social media and you're like, wait a minute, that looks like our local fire. <laughs> you see Jefferson County turning. I'm like, oh, now what do yeah. we do now? It was a rock community, right? Yep. So you see the rock community, and you're like, wait a minute, that subdivision the, looks familiar. The light too. green fire truck. And, and, and if you don't know what we're talking about, there was a video that widely circulated oh, yeah. uh, yesterday uh, about a fire truck in Imperial that was going through that ice yesterday morning. And it looked, at first, I thought it was fake. You know, like, I, I wondered, like, is this, did somebody, like, doctor this thing up? Because I've never seen a fire truck do that mm. before, ever. And so it was just very and crazy. And lights weren't even on. That was a part of it. was like, it's not like he's speeding down the road to get to a fire. It's It was obviously going to a house, but... Yeah, like, could you imagine being inside that thing? I mean, that's worse than any oh, Six Flags ride you ever oh, been. Oh God. my God, I would panic. And you know, I'm glad that everybody was okay. And, yeah, and even even the house, like it it hit the car, right? But if it, it doesn't hit the, that car. It's going into it the, house. the house. It was shortly after that where the blues. Uh, we were on a text thread with the public relations department, and they said, "Hey, listen, the PR guys can't make it out to practice today, so there's nobody to facilitate the interview. So, do you guys plan on coming out?" And I'm like, ready to send them that fire truck video. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm coming from Imperial? <laughs> You're crazy, <laughs> I, man. I so we live on the top of a hill, and I think it was probably around seven forty-five, eight o'clock yesterday morning. I, you know, I got up, and um, I start to see one of my neighbors like come up this hill. And then slowly start to slide back down the hill. And I was like, cool, that's everything I needed to know. <laughs> I'm out. I'm going to go ahead and just slide back in Where's into the bed. You know that's what I mean? always the test when I leave my house. I back out of the driveway and then I try and go up the hill to get out. And I'm like, well, we're not going anywhere today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> just back it right into the garage. Well, uh, at least we've made it through uh, Ice Mageddon 2024 yeah. or whatever the heck that it is. And uh, this is a very sad time of the year for me because, as I should be used to it by now, my Buffalo Bills season is over. Uh, I have my Blues to rely on, and then the Cardinals. <laughs> So, uh, you know, guys, I'm just in a real state of melancholy. Um, a couple things. Uh, I feel as though this loss for the Bills is completely on me. Uh, I know for a fact I was not wearing the same shirt that I was wearing the last two previous weeks of wins. Oh, no. So there's that. And then also, too, and, you know, um, <clears throat> some of my digs on Kansas City uh, <clears throat> might or might not have gotten a little personal. Uh-oh. And so I feel as though that uh, when I cross a certain line of talking trash, that my teams always lose. And so I think I did this. Uh, I think that this is all my fault. And uh, to the entire Bills Mafia, I'm very sorry. Well, that is, that is super nice of him. But I, good. Alex, I listened to the broadcast, and I did not hear – uh, Kevin Harlan or Jim Nance or any of those people say, and the kick is wide right, a missed field goal, and Donnie Van Dango in St. Louis, Missouri, wearing the same shirt two days in a row. Forgot to pull it out of the hamper. The Buffalo can I can I Bills. be very can I be hundred percent honest? When he went to kick that, <laughs> oh, I didn't. Knew it I did in. not look. Oh, Dude, right? I, I, I didn't. I did not. When he I stepped looked onto the at fi- the floor. When he stepped onto the field, I was watching it with my dad, and my cousin. I go, this isn't going through. I just did not like the feel of that. I didn't like the whole feel of that game at that time. Here's the real question. What's the proper time frame to check in with your buddy who's a fan of the team that just lost? Not three or four days. Because I texted Donnie last night, and I felt bad texting him. It, 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 it is just, <laughs> it like, 
like I there's so many people that I love talking sports to in the building, man. That's one of my favorite things right now about working here, man. Is is you know oh, thanks, who, who you who you Appreciate run into it. and that you can you can. <laughs> talk sports with me and I, I i love it i don't want to talk to anybody today <laughs> like i don't no, I, I thought you really weren't here yesterday i'm like donnie just does not want to hear one person say bills to him nah i mean like i i just i i, I don't know man i'm trying to do this in an adult sort of way and not like you know like make myself crazy but like I, i'm also starting to like you know man i'm never like a, a I, I've never been a we're cursed, we're cursed guy. No matter what team I've ever rooted for. Blues before they won the cup, Bills now. But God dang it, I'm starting to friggin' wonder if maybe we friggin' are. And it is a real friggin' thing, man. Well, Donnie, I know it's tough right now, and, and I'm here for you. I, I got some good news for you. Uh, the Blues won 3 to nothing. They did. And the Cardinals signed Matt Carpenter. Yeah, the salsa's back. Uh, salsa's back. I, Did you hear how excited he, he was? He didn't seem old. No, the, he didn't. The back. Well, here's the thing, okay? So the uh, the win on Saturday, uh, <laughs> fantastic for, for the Blues. You know what was really good about that, though, seriously, is after having a couple of games where you were like, uh, I do not like where this is trending, it did seem like they kind of put a, put a kind of stop to it, which... You know, man, that's a good thing to see, you know, for this team. And and like I said on on I said it on social after the Bills game the other day, you know, I, I like <clears throat> excuse me, I love the blues, but I think I kinda know where we're going here mm-hmm. and what's going on. And then, you know, it used to be these last couple weeks of January, you know, entirely growing up, man, I would be fiending for spring training. The day that pitchers and catchers reported oh, yeah. was a big friggin' deal. And I don't care anymore <laughs> like I did. And like and I and I don't know what it is. I don't I I, I, I can put it into this perspective a little bit. I worry that the Bills are wasting the best years of Josh Allen like the Cardinals are wasting great years of Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, like, even... And the in- Blues are wasting great years of Colton Pareko and Jordan Bennington. Just put it all into perspective for Crap, everybody. Crap, I hadn't right even now. forgot about... I didn't oh, even think I about that. I sleep at night about that, my man. Son for somebody that's bitch. been a Colton Pareko uh, number one fan train for the longest time, and now he's playing like it, that's where I lose sleep at night. Well, you got to think, though, man. Like, And I understand people being frustrated, and we've been saying this all freaking year, and I, I, I get it if you're tired of, uh, of hearing it. But honest to God, I feel like the team is in a good spot. It's just not super sexy right now to be able to talk about why it's okay that they are where they are. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I feel all right about it. Yeah. It's it's not that I'm not like down on the blues or anything like that. It's just you, you know, man. This isn't going to be a year that we're going to be pressing far in the playoffs or anything like that. Well, this is definitely a better situation, don't you guys think? To be in this retool and see what it could look like in a couple years because of all these prospects that are coming around the corner, mm-hmm. right? Then, and I'm stating the obvious here. I just want to see if you guys follow me. <laughs> Then to have a good team have high expectations and just be struggling, like you're outside a wild card spot, yeah, like kind of like 2019, 18, 19 going. Remember what that was like? I, obviously, we all do. November, December, you know, that was much worse. You woke yeah. up and you turned on the TV and you're like, this is a Stanley Cup team. Yeah. And they're just not putting it together. So I agree with you. You know, I'll go back to a Saturday night's game, 3 nothing win. And Alex, you were all over it. Uh, you know, great performance. I mean, checks all the boxes of what you want from this team. The unfortunate thing is, you know, you said put a stop to it. Yeah, they put a stop to that 
three-game winless skid. Um, but how how much how how much more can they play like that? Yeah. How and, and we talk about the consistency all the time, so I'm not here to rehash that. But I'm just saying, when you see that, you're like, okay, where is that all the time? Yeah. What do you guys think in terms of why you can't keep that up? And I know you can't play like that every single night. But what do you think it is in terms? Of, is is it talent? Is it opposition? Is it you know, you just don't have enough. I, I, so I was having this conversation with my my cousin. We, we were watching the games over the weekend, and he keeps asking me about this Blues team. And it's like, man, I I don't know how to explain it. And he, he goes, can I give you my perspective? And I go, cool, this will be interesting for somebody that watches all the games. He goes, I think they have a roster problem. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I, I think some of it's talent. I think some of it is you're waiting for these guys to get here that have offense. You know, Snuggerudes get here. They they lift up a guy like a Braden Shen because you got somebody who can score goals on the line with Braden Shen. If you look at Shen's last few years, when he was playing with Schwartz, when he was playing with Kairou, he was a 25 to 30 goal scorer. And this year it's dipped because of the rotation of players. He goes, but I also think it's a, it's a roster problem, and, and this is his words, I think it's a roster problem of guys that decide when they want to play the way that they need to win. And he said, I watch Philadelphia almost every night. He's a big Flyers fan. And he said, that team, every single night, comes to play one way and one way only. They're going to be a pain in the ass to deal with. And he said, there's no nights off for them. And when there are nights off, they rebound fast. And he goes, is that a coach or is that a roster? And I said, well, you could use the coach argument, but the Blues just did that. So I think you're starting to see that it might start trending towards a roster problem to where, and Drew Bannister said it, and I'll go back to that Washington Capitals first game before it, he talked about how we got to be more of a four-check or more of a four-check team and less of a rush team. He said all the best teams in the NHL are four-check teams. And he said, we like to play off of the rush. We got to be more forecheck. What did they do in that first Washington game? Played off the rush. What did they do in the second Washington game? Played the forecheck. Like, they know the recipe for success, but it's not there. And I thought he gave a really interesting perspective to it. Can this guy do a podcast twice a week? Yeah. I'm going to have to start subbing in with me. <laughs> yeah, about- he might be a lot more to the table than me. Just say, just throwing that what out there. What about you, Donnie? No, what about you? I, I think... I, I mean, I think one of the things that that you brought to my attention, Jr., early in the year, something that I hadn't thought of is, you know, man, um, this team can play their ass off, but at the end of the day, look at the talent on the team right. after, you know, say the top five or six, whatever. So to me, it's just this sort of combination of uh, uh, of the talent some nights just not necessarily being there but then also too there are some dudes on this team that needed to be that need to be weeded out and I don't know who but there are definitely guys that I think some nights set just sort of a tone that's not the we're gonna bring the thunder tone mm-hmm. it's oh we're here we're getting paid <laughs> everything's great and I think that it just gets to be a little frustrating because there are some nights, and I and I understand that you can't be. And we've talked about it too. You can't be snarled up and pissed off all the time. Right. But yo, man, if you can see which way the ice is tilting, I want to see my guys get mad about it. Yeah. You, and sometimes that it just seems like they're too okay with being what Doug Armstrong told them that they would be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it just seems like they're like, well. Here we are. But see, that's the funny part. He told us that they were a third-place team in the Central Division, or at least that's what he expected. He said, I expected to be at the top of the middle tier in the Western Conference, and they're not. And, I mean, 
There have been nights where they look like it, like that Vancouver Canucks game. I'm thinking, like, okay, they could be a third-place team in the Central Division. But then there are nights like that first Washington Capitals game that I'm thinking, no, nah, not so much. And something Donnie just said, it showed itself in that, first, that last Washington Capitals game, the one that they won. Donnie talked about them like feeling pissed off. Like they played pissed off in that game. You had Tom Wilson throw a late hit, and then uh, Fervari threw a late hit on Pavel Buchnevich. Robert Thomas was getting in the middle of scrums in that game. Matthew Kessel was getting in the middle of scrums in that game. And even Steve Ott said it at the end of that broadcast. He said, it's nice to see guys step up for their teammates because that's how you build a better bond. And you remember, Jay, at the beginning of the season, the one thing that you told us you were going to be evaluating was, does this team come together like an actual team in in circumstances like that? For the longest time this season, it didn't feel that way. That Washington Capitals game did feel that way. Yeah, and there was another thing uh, somebody said at the start of the season, can't think. Oh yeah, it was me. No, it was me. Um, it was me. <laughs> uh, you know, the other thing that I said about this team at at the start was in the NHL, these guys are all good, right? And and they all have a sense of pride. At least most of them, I think. And I think that no matter what kind of talent you have, if you don't have enough talent to win every night, you still have enough pride that when things go badly and you lose a couple in a row, that you're going to show up. And I think when they, when they, let's just use this last stretch here as an example, you know, they, they don't win three games in a row. Now you got, you got, uh, um, the Hall of Fame night the other mm-hmm. night where you have, uh, Liute come out. Yeah. You have, uh, Kachuk. Kachuk come out. Dimitra you have, uh, the name I was looking for is Dimitra. Pavel Dimitra's well, family there. come out. <laughs> yeah, it took the third time. And, and, and so I'm not saying that's why they played well. All I'm saying is you have, pride in what you do and I think you guys are right I think these two things are interwoven in that you have some guys who don't show up every night and I think what Craig Bruby said touched on that he said that we have guys who are feeling out the game so they're not coming out and setting the tone like a Philadelphia by the way that was a great point I am I was so impressed with Philadelphia when they came oh, yeah. here they just skate to everything and work every night every night and I think so you got a combination of this the blues like Bruby said okay what kind of games is going to be how hard do I need to play what do I need to do here to kind of you know try to win this game um, but then when you have a stretch like that where you're, where you're not playing well, now it's like, okay, well, this is enough. We're better in this. I'm better in this. We can play better. And then you have a game like like Saturday. Yeah. Now what happens? Yeah. Right. Well, and, and tonight is going to be something else because, okay, first of all, it's Calgary, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not crazy. So if Benner starts tonight, I think it'll be the first time that he has played against Nazem Kadri since Kadri heard him in Colorado. I think that's a really good Hasn't point. Happened, because happened once, maybe did not. it? Did because I thought that Baruby had always had, avoided had, it and sort of kind of always avoided it, or at well, least that we kind of had gotten that sort of thought. Well, Hofer got the the shutout against him this season earlier. Yeah, that was Calgary, the only other time right? that he played. Well, that's the only time that they played him this season, so it could have been before. I mean, it's a really good. See, here's the thing. I don't know if they play Bennington tonight, and obviously we're going to find out sooner rather than later. Back to back. I think I think you want Bennington versus Vancouver. Right. I mean, here's the thing. God dang it. I, I think you need. I, I, think I you, just. I just. I, you know what? I want it to happen. Daddy you know what I mean? Yeah, Donnie's, <laughs> Donnie's like, man, Royal can't Rumble. You give me this tonight, tonight. <laughs> give me this. I. I. See, here's the problem. Like, you need points against all of these teams, but I would argue you need points more so against Calgary than Vancouver, because Vancouver is a higher por- portion of the Pacific Division. This is a wild card team, and then Friday, Seattle's a wild card team. Those are the teams you're fighting with right now. You got to leapfrog five teams, so really, you got to win like six games in a row to put yourself in a better pers- uh, uh, position. the The bigger issue with all this is they have not been good on the road. 
Like, they have not been good on the road. So now that you're playing three games, two of them in Western Canada, and then you got the Seattle one, all of that time zone change, and a set of back-to-backs, I, I don't feel good about this road trip. Yeah, guys, I, one of the things that you that, that we talked about the last time that we were in the room last week was the was the uh, the light bulb going off in my head that, you know, hey, Pavel Buchnevich might not be here, you know, for the, the, the re, or you, for, yeah. to see the rebuild through. And as, you know, and as the team does what it does, wins a couple, loses a couple, I just start to think to myself, man, is it just better off if they slide a little bit and can get a top 10 pick or a top 12 or 13 pick? I mean, because with the, with the way that the Blues flip and draft and have drafted the last bunch of years, I, yeah. I, I'm struggling to wonder why that would be a bad idea as opposed, not that I don't want to try, want them to try to push to make the playoffs and all those sorts of things, but like, the the more that it's kind of coming out even the more i'm wondering like man that that another big pick would be fantastic i mean i'm i'm kind of on the same line of thinking as you and like obviously you never want to see a team be bad like i'd love to see them make the playoffs but their wor- the worst thing that can happen to them is you're a fringe playoff team and at the end of the season you're the 17th or 18th team out of it because then you're picking 12th or 13th and as good i mean that's still a really good pick but compared to where it could be if you're picking 7th, 8th, ninth, even 10th, especially in this year's draft. I mean, just reading a couple of different people talking about it, talking with Scott Wheeler over at The Athletic, like if you want a, a number one defenseman, this is the year to draft in the top 10 because there's like five of them available. And one of them is this Russian kid that I've grown a fascination with. He's like six foot seven, and they say <laughs> he's the next Victor Hedman. Ooh. So like, I mean, again, you don't want to see a team be bad, but if you're in this retool still, and if you're if you've got placeholders on this team that you're trying to get to the next level, on one side of the thinking, yeah, playoff experience would be really good for guys like Kyrou and Thomas and Jake Neighbors and uh, Scott Perunovic and Matt Kessel. But on the other side of it, like, does that really make a difference compared to if you're selecting sixth or seventh overall? Yeah, and the other thing you got to think about too is like, what you know. Let's say you, you get a top ten pick this year. I mean, we're talking about Dvorsky, who they drafted mm-hmm. last year, number ten. <laughs> You know, he had an okay World Junior, might be here in a couple years, might make an impact in, what, three years? Three, four years. Yeah, so three or four years. So let's say you draft this number one defenseman, Alex's guy here, uh, this year. You know, are we talking four or five years before Mm -hmm. you see him? So, you know, do Blues fans really want to wait that long? And, Donnie, this leads into a shameless plug here. Uh, Hold on, let me get my air tire pump up. We got the uh, <laughs> Blues fan survey results. Hey-o! Oh, yeah. At, I voted for this, by the way. At the uh, Athletic. And we, we don't need to go through all of them, but it ties into what we're talking about here is I asked the question, based on what you've seen from the Blues this season, guys, should Doug Armstrong go into a full rebuild? Have you guys seen the results? I have not seen have the not. results yet. Okay. So um, the answer that won with 67.3% of the vote, what do you guys think it is? I'd say it's no. I'd say it's no. It's no. Yeah. And uh, yes, 38%, obviously. So I think what you see here is Blues fans want this team to remain competitive. You can read the rest of the results. And again, we don't need to go over over every one of them. But what the picture painted to me reading the results is that Blues fans don't think this is the year. Uh, It was like 60, 70% that they're not going to make the playoffs this year. It was about 80% that they want Doug Armstrong to sell at the trade deadline. So they don't believe that this is the year, but they also don't want to do the rebuild based on that number we just saw. Right. And they also don't want to trade 
Jordan Bennington, and Pavel Buchnevich. See, this is the part that I'm confused by then because you're stuck in the middle. You're, right. you're doing right. you're doing what insane people do, where it's the same thing over and over and over. Because if you're not going to sell, and I don't think they should sell Jordan Bennington. Like I, I've been very adamant about that, and Colton Pareko, those two you don't touch. But if you don't want to sell Pavel Buchnevich, you don't think this is this is the year but you want them to remain competitive. Like, none of those three things work in the same atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't want to trade Booch, well, then, okay, well, you got to go down the path of keeping Pavel Buchnevich, which after next season is probably going to cost you $8-plus million. Okay, does he play like an $8-plus million player? At times, we've seen it. This year, I don't think he's been there. So that's one area of it. If you don't feel like this is the year and you want to sell, well, what are you hoping to accomplish? You're selling Kasperi Kapanen, Marco Scandella, and Yakub Verana. Uh, you're not bringing anything back that's making you competitive next season with that. And the third side of it is if you want this thing to remain competitive, well, then you want Doug Armstrong to buy, which means you believe this team can be competitive, which I don't think a lot of people believe this team can be competitive. So all three of these things are in different universes yeah. right now that can't mesh together. Yeah, Alex, I just wanted to give you the stat on that. The question was asked, uh, would you trade Jordan Bennington and turn to Hofer if Armstrong could bolster the retool? And the response was no, 54%. Uh, in f- in favor of not trading Jordan Bennington. Listen, yeah. listen. As a Blues fan, for the uh, my entire the idea of wondering if we have a goaltender, I don't want to go back to those days. Right. I, I don't <laughs> need I that? don't need uh, that 30, hell 40? in my. I don't need that happening. Right. Yeah. That to me doesn't make any sense. But what does make sense to me is if you have a buyer at the deadline and you can friggin' flee some for Pavel Buchnevich, then let's friggin' go. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, to, and I and listen, I, guys, I have came into this podcast drooling about Buch ten friggin' times this year. Yeah. I love the guy. All right. But you even brought up another great point. Is that a guy that you want to be paying $8 million? I'm not totally sure that that's somebody that I would want to commit to that money right now because I'm not sure that we see $8 million worth on a nightly friggin' basis. So well, and plus, eight plus the one he's got, so it'd be nine, let's say, and plus the first two or three years of that are probably going to be a retool. And he's 31 years old. Yeah, man. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense so, to and, me. And so I looked at this yesterday, too. We were talking about this on BK and Ferrario. Like, the Blues are very reliant on their top line right now, which makes sense a team in a retool when you got placeholders. There have been 20, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing off of this stat because I don't have it in front of me, but there have been 29 or 31 games that Pavel Buchnevich and Jordan Cairo have not scored a goal for you this season. Dude. 29 or 31 games. Now, like, Robert Thomas has been like 24, 25, I think, and I looked at comps in terms of Cairo's contract because, to me, I think you're probably paying Buch around what Cairo's contract is. Guys like Kyle Connor, guys like uh, Sebastian Ajo, Andrei Svechnikov, like all these guys have been around like the 24 to 25 range in terms of games that they haven't scored a goal yet this season, which still seems like a lot. But what I'm getting at with this is like if you've got three players making that money and you have a roller coaster season of inconsistency, and maybe this is just a one off. We know Kairou has a better shooting percentage in his career, and Pavel Buchnevich seems to always be an 80 point guy. But what worries me is this season and then sitting there and saying, yeah, we're going to back this line as the line to take us out of this retool. Do you want to do that? Because that's $24, $25 million that you're going to tie up. And I know the cap's going up, 
but you got to really be smart where you're allocating that money in a retool to certain guys that can get you out of it. And do people believe that those are the three guys that can get you out of it? Let me let me take you guys through what I think. Uh, you look at what the fans said, right? They said that we want to remain competitive. We don't want to do a rebuild, but we want to keep Buchnevich. We want to keep Jordan Bington. Let me paint a picture for you guys next season and see if you like it. What if you you kept a Buchnevich? You got your Cairo. You got your Thomas. Maybe you move a Saad. So you know you bring in another middle six guy. Kapanen's gone. Verana's gone. Maybe you add another guy to that middle six. You bolster up the fourth line a little bit. And then on D, maybe you're trading a Letty or a Krug. Um, you bring in a D guy to help out. And then you got your Bennington. You know, that team might not be a playoff contender in terms of two or three rounds, but it might be an exciting team uh, that could get you in the playoffs and maybe win you a round. Now, keeping in mind big picture that we're still in the retool here, does that do anything for you? I mean, it definitely gets me optimistic. Because, I mean, it's Snuggerud, too. Yeah, because you're talking Snuggerud. I'm assuming the other middle six guy you're bringing in has some offensive upside, maybe right. a little bit more consistency to it. Have to get secondary scoring. Yeah, you got to get somebody who could be a 25 to 30 goal scorer on a consistent basis for you in the middle six. But the defense is the other thing, too. Like, if you go get a, a Chikrin or a Hannafin to play in your top four, I mean, there's optimism there, but I, I still think I'm skeptical of that top line because there have been too many games this season that that top line has gone invisible for for you and I think when that top line goes invisible for you you don't have anything else to fall back on yeah it needs shooters Donnie what do you think there well I mean I think that for me man excuse me as long as that we are hopefully seeing growth you know like whatever that means I just want this time next year to feel like there has been that we're trending in the right direction. You want to feel like the it, Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, just I want to feel like the ship is moving in the right direction. Yeah. Right now, I feel like we're treading water a little bit. Yeah. All right? And I just want to I just want to feel that direction. I, and you mentioned the name here real quick because we talked about him for a goddamn about a year, <laughs> and that was Jacob Chickley, yeah. who uh, goes. We to- <laughs> we're back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I didn't think about that from your perspective. Uh, oh no, Jr. It's coming. But, but I mean, is that just off? Just from the front of it, is it even friggin' realistic for the Blues to be? Would they even be in that conversation for a Jacob Chikrin? I think if you're going to trade for him, it's going to cost you Pavel Buchnevich. And I think that might sound outlandish to people, but Ottawa has him for one more year at 4.5 mil. See, that's the thing. He's on that team-friendly deal. Yeah. And then he's a him. UFA. Ottawa believes they can compete, and you're training a top defenseman off of your roster. They want NHL-ready players. Like, I don't think they want a Zachary Bolduke. They're, you're not going to give them a Snuggerud or a Dvorsky. I don't think they would want a Snuggerud or Dvorsky. They're going to want some type of NHL player, and I don't think you've got a defenseman that you could go one-for-one one split with. So I think they're going to look at your offense and say, okay, well, we want one of your offensive-ready players. I, I think it's going to have to be a Pavel Buchnevich or a Jordan Cairo to get a Jacob Chikrin. Like I, I'm, and I'm not well, throwing... well the, the Cairo, no, yeah. to me, the Booch thing. Well, let's talk about it. You know what I mean? I mean that's kind of where my thought process is. You figure Jikrin's going to get paid somewhere between six and a half and seven and a half million dollars after this team-friendly deal, where he's got one more year Maybe on. Maybe even more. Maybe more, yeah. depending on what kind of the market is and how it's gone up. But it's a number one defenseman, you know. 
Hmm. I, that, 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 that's at least my thought process with it. I just don't think Ottawa wants any prospects right now. Like, they want to compete. So right. You could have to. Yeah, you could take all of the prospects off the table. Maybe a goaltender. Maybe they would ask for a Hofer or a Bennington, but I don't think that makes much sense for you. So it gets down to, okay, well, they're going to want to replace Chikrin with a defenseman. I don't know if there's anybody other than Pareko that would be enticing to them. Yeah. And then you go to the forward side of it. Hey, Donnie, you bringing up the fact that uh, the Blues didn't have a goalie for the longest time. Yeah. <laughs> Alex said 30 or 40 years. It reminded me, I'll never forget, this is towards the end of the Larry Plough era, and I'll, he was in the hallway kind of leading in, out to the ice, and a couple reporters just kind of gathered around him. It turned into this impromptu kind of little interview with Larry Plough. And he goes, we we could just never find the goalie. We could never find the goalie. So obviously the recorders come out. You know, here's the GM saying we could never find the goalie. And that was the headline the next day in the St. Louis Post Dispatch. You know, when I was writing for the sports page, and it's like, Plo, we could never find the goalie. And so the next day, he went on for about 20 minutes talking about this. It turned into like you know pretty incredible situation so for reporters. Massachusetts guy getting he, angry. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll never forget the next day, I saw him. He goes, whoa, with that headline and that story. And and I said, what? And he goes, I don't know, a little overboard. And I, no, you said we could <laughs> never find the goalie. Yeah, I mean, like, this has been something that's been going on for 30 <laughs> but, plus but, years. But, but seriously, guys, like, we say it as a joke, but like. It's been going on since fear. Unless you are getting something remarkably fantastic in return. Yeah. You, we can't do that. Yeah. Because, man, if you're trading that, then who are you replacing him with? And it's not like I don't like Joel Hofer at all, but he is not ready to well, be. Well, then you're going into the rebuild because you, you're not going to – I, I yeah. love Joel Hofer too, and he could be great here in a few years, but he's not that guy right, right, now. Uh, right now. But I will tell you this, and, and I'm not an advocate of trading Jordan Bennington, but – with the teams out there, especially the playoff teams that need a gold. Could you imagine Jordan Bennington on some of these good playoff teams, whether it be Edmonton or, or whomever, L.A.? And see, or, that's the part that I wonder about if it's an off-season move. Like, I don't think you could pull that off on the no, trade deadline. deadline. But yeah. think of the two teams that are desperate right now, desperate for goaltending. Toronto. And Edmonton. Uh, Toronto, for sure, yeah. And they've got two players that are pending UFAs after next season. Mitch Marner and, and Leon Draisaitl. And would they? Would they? If you're an Edmonton fan, oh, I highly if, doubt. If that. you're a Toronto fan, you know I can't even see those fans sitting here going, "I would make that deal." However, you know you got so much talent on those teams, especially Toronto, mm-hmm. and they haven't gotten it done because they don't have the goaltender. Half the time, I don't even know who the Leafs are putting in that. It seems like one guy is always on IR. Yeah. One guy is sent to the minors for right. a week or two. Yep. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. And, I, I mean, again, I. I think you need a goaltender to exit out of a retool because you got to have somebody who can cover up the mistakes of your young players, and especially if you're adding Snuggerud next season, if you do bring in a Lindstein or a Stenberg or a Dvorsky that fight for spots, you got to have a goaltender who can clean up your mistakes. Can Hofer do that? I mean, he's been good at times, and then there's other times that it's looked bad, but I, I it's, it's always that, like, weighing scale of which option here like do you want to keep him here to exit out of this retool or do you exit out of this retool with the pieces you could get in return for that now there's other hiccups he's got to approve a no trade clause you got to go to where and you got to get the valuable return and like those two names that i mentioned that's the only way that i look at it and say valuable return for jordan bennington i think at this point more so than anything my mind is just very open to possibilities oh yeah you you know what I mean? Like like I am just very open for for Doug Armstrong to continue to retool this. 
how he sees fit. But to me, if you have Jordan Bennington and you can somehow settle down that back end a little bit, and obviously Jacob Chikrin is pie in the sky sort of thing, but if you... To me, if you have the back end squared away along with the goaltending and you know that you have got a bunch of scores and things that are right on the cusp, boys, I think this is kind of where we need to be. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, I I think in the Buchnevich talk we had last week or the week before, I think it just opened my mind to the possibilities of, hey, we're still a couple of years away from this thing. And then also, too, we see it every year at the trade deadline when we start to to to, um, to see the, the packages for some of oh, these yeah. players. And you're like, holy Toledo. Yep. We could absolutely, you know, yeah. I love Booch. I love him. I One of my favorite Blues players, no doubt about it. But, man. Sometimes you got to do the smart thing, and, and and for the Blues, maybe that's making some real tough decisions come this trade deadline. Especially if there's teams desperate, and I think that's going to be the interesting part. If there's so many teams still fighting for playoff spots or teams trying to separate themselves from the pack, teams get desperate. And if there's a lot of teams that don't want to be sellers because they feel like they have a chance, that puts the Blues in a really interesting situation to where it's like, you know what? People want what we've got right now, and maybe we have to bite the bullet on this year. Might not look pretty for the rest of it, but beyond this year, maybe we're setting us up for a little bit more success. But at the very least, going back to our original question, why can't the Blues sustain you know a game like they played the other night? You know, we said that some guys want to play, some guys don't. Regardless of what we think, what fans think about this retool and what the Blues should do with some of these major decisions, this summer Doug Armstrong has to look at the roster, which I know he's obviously already done, and said, okay. What's this guy's reputation? Does he show up every night? If he doesn't, okay, we're going to try to move him. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to eat some money or you have to uh, you know, include a prospect or a draft pick, whatever you got to do. But if you're going to start bringing in the Snuggeroods and, and reestablish this culture and how we want to play as the St. Louis Blues, how they want to play, you know, then you're going to have to move those guys out. You can't come back next season. You're like Donnie says – they're in a good spot. They are in a good spot, but you can't yeah. build off this with guys who can't don't have give you what you want. Well, and also too, man, like you, 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 I mean, this goes out saying, but like you want to weed those freaking personalities out yeah. that are doing the, uh, well, sometimes I'm here and sometimes I'm not, you know I mean? That, that, the, the culture needs to be what it is and consistent. And that has to start with the coach, too, right? Like, this is the part that I find so fascinating, too. Like, you got to have to decide, is Drew Bannister that guy or is the guy that we're bringing in that guy that can do that? Because he's the one that's going to set that tone immediately. I think Drew Bannister's done an outstanding job of setting a tone with the players. But if you don't get that consistency by the end of the season, do you have to find the right coach that can come in and say, these are the guys we need to weed out? Because if we're talking some of these big names that you're weeding out that you don't feel like can play boy you got to be certain that it's the right decision and the guy, the right guy is making that decision before you move on with it do you think that as the team continues to 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 you know i mean kind of be what they are 500 ish does that make banister make banister's position at the end of the year a little bit different i mean you know what i mean like how are how are you guys i think i think they got to get out of this feel that we have when we see them do these like lulls where it's like, man, I just don't feel like they want to show up and play. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think you're going to have to find a way to get rid of that. I think that, and we've said this before, but I think that he's put himself in probably the best chance to keep Agreed. the job. So let's just say that his high, his high chance of 
of keeping the job was a 10. I think he's done that, like a 9 or a 10. And But does that mean he's going to keep the job? You know, No, it doesn't guarantee that. And we're talking about Philadelphia, Tortorella. He's been with every team in the league. You look at uh, LaViolette, what yeah. he's done with the Rangers. So, oh, my gosh, I'll go back to this oh little blue survey Oh, my gosh, it was on the here, survey. fan survey here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you go back to, um, you know, did Doug Armstrong – make the right decision in uh, firing Craig Berube. And uh, it seems like a lot of the fans say that it remains to be seen. So whereas there was a lot of backlash early on yeah. that he had made the wrong decision, now I think people are, are saying that, uh, I get the percentage right here, 42% say remains to be seen, 30% say no, he did not, 27% say yes, he did make the right decision. Wow. Which leads me to this one too here is uh, the next question was do you think Bannister will eventually be named the head coach? Fifty percent didn't bring my glasses. Yes, fifty point eight percent yes, and no forty eight point two. So kind of split down the middle. Right yeah, down the middle. Do people think you know, he'll be you, back? You know what I'm curious about that fan survey. What percentage said that they would welcome Joel Quinville back? Okay. Is it? A, can you can you yeah. look at that? Because the the, the 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 more that the Blues kind of half in half out, the more I'm wondering if they want to take a big swing like that. And bring in somebody. Fifty-eight point six percent said no. No, really, that is shocking. That's yeah. shocking to me as well. It was shocking to me too. Forty-one uh, percent yes. And here's my takeaway: I'm a little surprised with this because simple reason: Blues fans love their own. Quinville was a popular coach yeah. in St. Louis. Can you read your own writing on the air? Ninety-seven to two thousand four. <laughs> you wrote in cursive, man. <laughs> <laughs> and my takeaway was: uh, was it his role in the Chicago Blackhawks? You know, cover up with Kyle Beach, or is it the fact? that he just wouldn't be a great coach for a retool. Like, Quinville wants to win right now, right? Yeah. He's not going to want to be in for two, three, five years. So here's my question with that, though. Like, if you, if it's not Quinville, then who? Right. Because, I, I mean, obviously, if Rod Brindamore becomes available, that's it. But I don't think he's going to be available. But if Quinville's something that the Blues fans feel like they don't want... I'm not sure what you want because, I, it, I mean, I'm not advocating for Joel Quinville. I'm just saying, like, the NHL views him as one of the best. And if he's available and you say, ah, no, not so much, maybe he's not the right guy here, I don't, then it has to be Drew Bannister. Right. Because there's no point in going out there and bringing in a, a Bruce Boudreau or any of these other placeholders. Like, just keep Drew Bannister in place and figure out what the problem is on the roster before you sit there because I. I don't think it would make sense to go just get some random NHL head coach that doesn't give you the the hope and good feel that he's going to take the team in the north direction and not keep them where they're at. Boy, um, seeing Patrick Waugh behind the bench uh, for the New York Islanders. Boy, oh boy, that is just an intense-looking human being right there, man. He was one that I thought the Blues were going to pursue. Yeah, I didn't give it a lot of thought, to be honest with you, but Blues fans the past couple days since he got named Islanders coach have been like, was he an option? Like, could this have been a situation? I think it was just because he was coaching in juniors, he won a championship, and it was Zachary Bolduke's team. Yeah, and I talked to Bolduke a lot yeah. about Patrick Waugh, and he said he's great with young players. He said after every game, once twice a week, like I would go sit in his office and he'd break down the plays for me. He put a lot of time in there. I mean, to get back in the NHL after that mm-hmm. uh, run he had in, in Colorado. So that would have been intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, so did he not get get a gig? And I was reading actually a really tremendous article on The Athletic last night about this. But like, maybe it took him so long to get back into the NHL game because of the way that he exited in Colorado so abruptly. 
Yeah, I think it was always going to take probably a while for him to get back. I think it was pretty clear, though, that he did want to get back. And a lot of times, you know, yeah, I guess some coaches go to junior because they love it. And, you know, yeah. it's hockey. But I think that uh, he was kind of going to reestablish himself, which he did. You know, and he, show that you could coach younger players because that's how the league's that's trending what the right league now. Is, yep, right, percent. And I think also some of it too was he he. He likes control of the team. Like, that's what he wanted in Colorado. I think that's why it kind of fell stale after a while because Joe Sackick was like, no, 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 I'm going to take care of this. You take care of the coaching duties. But, I I mean, that doesn't really back up when you talk about going to a Lou Lamarillo (laughs) team with the Islanders. That's very true. But maybe Lou Lamarillo's thinking like, "Uh, maybe I needed somebody else who could help me with this right now. So I'm not sure. It was a wild hire because I actually thought a Craig Berube would have made sense for the Islanders. Like, that screams Craig Berube, that Islanders team, good defensively, tough opponent. They got a good goaltender in place. That's who I thought was going to hire Craig Berube. Yeah, maybe Lou didn't. You know, maybe Lou wasn't a guy that uh, he was wanting to work with. Maybe. Or maybe Berube didn't want to do midseason. Well, and and really, it's getting to be one of the most exciting times of the year because right after, I mean, you've got the All-Star game, then not too long after that we'll be talking trade deadline and things like that, playoff races. It's all going to get real good and real interesting. And what it seems like is that there seems like there's a couple of teams at the top and there seems like there is a lot in the middle. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this middle kind of shakes out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a it's a sandwich right now in the middle of the West and the Eastern Conference. Like you had a ton of teams in the wild card, but the West I th- there's a a real situation that you either have five teams in the playoffs that are all Central Division or five teams that are all Pacific Division. Like I don't think you're going to have a healthy Incredible. mix of both because Seattle and LA have turned it on and then you've got Nashville and Arizona fighting as well. Yeah, they're not changing the playoff format anytime no, soon. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I guys Thanks, parody. Guys, I I um just want to say this real quick and I know that you know, whatever. It is what it is. Decisions have been made. I'm just a guy. I'm sorry, guys. I just wish that we could go back to one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. I, 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 you know, man, I get it. I understand it. Whatever. It's fine. But I just like the old system. Yeah. I thought that that was the best freaking way to go about it, man. Because then you got the one and the eight. You kind of know what to expect there, but you never know, man. Maybe the eight is going to give the one a ride. And then that four or five, you just always look like these are going to be two teams that are going to beat the bejesus out of each other for the next 10 days. So I just, I just, I, I, and it just made more sense to me on top of it. Yeah. And let me tell you that uh, sports writers, we are not math majors. So that was a lot, <laughs> <laughs> was a lot easier. One, eight, two, seven, three, six. All right. Well, uh, gentlemen, uh, I have to abruptly end this uh, Last Minute Blues podcast. Thank you so very much uh, for uh, for being here. For uh, Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic, uh, we've got our good buddy Alex Ferrario from 101 ESPN, for uh, Jamie Rivers out there on the road somewheres, and our good buddy Jeff Burton. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.